0: Hello and welcome to Counsel from Above, your place to ask a counselor questions you wish you would answer from God's Word. I am your host, Nathan Honeycutt, licensed professional counselor, minister of the Church of Christ, excited today about answering the questions about dealing with the people in our world. Hey, like, share, subscribe, do all that you can. Hit that five-star button. Let us know that you're watching and enjoy the show. Make sure and let everyone know. Please send me some questions. You can send Send them to me at counselfromabove at gmail.com. You can also send me questions and get it to us on our Facebook page, Council From Above Podcast. Hey, jump in, join in, love to have you. Hey, let's get started today. Three questions, all three from Anonymous, uh, seems to be pretty popular. Uh, First question, do we as Christians live in submission to authority And what happens when the lack of respect for authority is in the church? You know, this is a great question, thinking about our relationship to the people that are around us and our kind of relationship around people that we may agree or disagree with. You know, it's interesting as a Christian, that there are a lot of people that disagree with us. Uh, Jesus was very clear why it is the way that leads to destruction, and many therein that are going to follow down down it, is, whereas Christians are on that kind of that narrow way. So because of that disparity between a large group and a small group, there's going to be that disagreement and that difficulty. And therefore, how do you handle, how do Christians manage situations in which they uh, don't approve of, don't agree with, uh, perhaps even those that are in authority. We think about our uh, different feelings towards our, uh, you know, whether it be our our city officials, state officials, even federal officials, president, and on the list goes. Uh, How do Christians handle that? So the first question is, how do we, uh, do we live in submission to the authority? And the answer is, absolutely. Uh, And I think that's very biblical, and I think that's exactly what Paul wrote. Uh, The first thing to think about is Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 20. He says, Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, This particular context is talking about the church and about uh, all that are in the church in submitting and connecting to them. He then continues on to talk about the marital relationship and the submission of the wife to the husband, and ultimately, I think, the husband's reaction and response through love towards his wife. And so um, our response to authority is to be in submission, to follow the rules, follow the law, follow what they've provided. And that's an important aspect of it. I think it's also interesting to notice uh, Paul's response uh, to a similar topic found in Romans chapter 13. He says in Romans chapter 13, beginning with verse 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then go do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you are do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. It's interesting to think about the context of this particular passage. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Rome is being governed uh, at this time by a Caesar by the name of Nero. If you know much about your history, Nero was one of the more maniacal uh, of the of the Caesars. He was one of them that really promoted uh, his position as a god. He was a man that did a lot in persecution. He was one that would take specifically Christians, uh, dip them in oil, would put them on a stick, light them ablaze, and use them to light his gardens at night. He was a man that would tie Christians and sew them inside of animal skins and then throw them in the Colosseum for the lions. Uh, this, this man was a, a brutal, brutal, terrorizing man for the Christians. And he was the one in power at Rome at the time this was written. What did Paul say? He said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I wonder, I wonder how hard it was for Paul to write that. See, now you and I know that a few years after this, that same Nero was the one that was probably in power the day that Paul was beheaded. Perhaps it was even his own request. And yet that's the statement that Paul makes is for us to respect those in authority. The reaction and response to many Christians that disagree with whoever might be in authority is is sometimes out of a disrespect. I I remember one, even elder of the church told me once time, he said, I respect the position, but I disrespect uh, the person in it. And I thought that was very challenging to do because when we look at God's position, he he put that man in that position. Now, whether for many different reasons, that was the same thing that David dealt with whenever Saul was trying to come after him, and yet he would not put his hand against him. He, He was God's anointed. He was God's person in that. Even though he was sinning and going against God and drawing everyone away from God, He was still God's anointed in David's eyes. I think that the challenge comes is what are we doing whenever they are not uh, following God's law? And I think that this passage answers it to some degree because God says in verse 4 that he is God's servant for good. If we have those in authority asking us to violate God's law, then God's law comes first. I think that's demonstrated in the life of Daniel as he was told he could not pray to anybody but the king and yet he chose to continue his practice of praying to the Almighty. Whenever the authority goes against God's direction, we follow God's direction and we do exactly what God wants us to do to obey God. That does not mean that we would then act in such a way that would violate the other things that God would want us to do in our way we would treat people in the way that we would act. Therefore, when it comes to submitting to authority, it's important to recognize God's desire for that. The second part of that question is what about the lack of authority in the church? And this is saddens me all the more, I think, when we think about the way that people view elders and deacons um, and the authority that have been given to elders. There are some that will thumb their nose at the elders and some that will adhere and follow. Uh, A lot of it, I think, depends upon whether or not they agree with positions and roles and things versus whether or not it's what God wants. In all authority, in all places, what God wants is what we ought to be following. What does God want from us? What does God want us to do? And that is what we're supposed to do. Follow after what God wants because that's the most important thing. And from God's perspective, as Jesus and many others demonstrated, we adhere to the authority as long as it doesn't get in the way of us serving God. All right, so let's get to question number two, also anonymous, providing for us, again, dealing with other people. Question says, how can we let go of grudges? Is it a sin to hold a grudge? Well, let's start by asking what is a grudge? Grudge is holding ought or holding feelings against someone else. And holding those particular feelings in such a way that makes you think, say, do, act, present evil, wrong things against that person. There's a particular person who's done you wrong or has done someone you love wrong. And because of that, they are then mistreated and treated poorly and treated differently differently. Because that action that they have made needs to be punished and paid for, therefore a grudge is our desire and willingness to hold on to what was happened and hold that against them. So the first question is is probably the uh, the second. ought <laughs> to be so. The second part of the question is: It a sin to hold a grudge? That's probably the first question we need to answer. I think the answer comes in Romans chapter 12, uh, as Paul continues to discuss and talk about how to be a Christian and how to follow after him. He says there in uh, verse number 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if the enemy hungers, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. If so doing, you will heap up burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Is it a sin to hold a grudge? I think the answer is yes. Uh, holding a grudge is about us unwilling to forgive or to let go And if we aren't willing to let go, there is a tremendous amount of energy and thought and feeling that goes into hurting or wanting to hurt this other person. And it's those feelings, it's those thoughts, it's those things that push us and urge us and move us to ultimately have ungodly thoughts. And and it's a dangerous position. When you and I think about holding a grudge, we oftentimes do it so that we have the ability to keep from being hurt again, or we do it so that we can avoid uh, that ever happening or that person ever getting that close again. And we feel like holding a grudge keeps us safe, but in reality, holding a grudge does not keep us safe. Instead, it pushes us to make poor choices and poor decisions and to make more things that are not helpful in order to be able to move forward. Ultimately, the decision is about trying to be safe and to never get hurt again because that's the miserable part. That's the part we want to never do. Don't want to get hurt again. So we have to find ways as a Christian to be safer, to keep from getting hurt that doesn't involve Uh, just acting like nothing's ever happened or pushing somebody so far away that we injure and get in the way of our connection and relationship with the next person. Because when we hold a grudge, holding a grudge, I think is very similar to that, uh, the podcast that I presented on forgiveness or the lack thereof. If I lack forgiveness, if I hold the grudge, then I'm taking a burning coal, I'm holding it within my chest and expecting the other person to get burned. If I'm holding on to these feelings, it's not impacting them, it's impacting us, and it's causing us damage and us difficulty. And so the reality is, is that if you and I continue to hold these grudges, we ourselves are being burned and not the other way around. But how do you let go of the grudge? I think the way you let go of the grudge is exactly what Jesus tells us to do here. And he says, he says, let it be God's place understand that if someone needs to be punished, let God be the one to do it because he's not going to make a mistake. And if God doesn't make any mistakes, then whatever's the best punishment for him will be brought about. Whatever's the best thing that they need to go through and they need to endure, God will take care of it. So trust that God's going to be the one that does it. Take sure that God's the one that is there. And in order to stay safer, I have to learn what is it about this situation that became unsafe? Was it something I was presenting? Was it someone that I allowed too close to me? Was there a certain character trait or emotive or something that was going on that was uh, getting in the way of, of what may be happening there? Uh, all of those things may very well be the case. And so as we consider and think about that, you and I have to be very focused on where is our best way of staying safe and keeping safe in the things that we do. You and I are going to find out that the way Satan wants us to stay safe and the way Satan wants us to uh, manage and address these situations is by you and I uh, pushing people away and holding it against other people, uh, but that's not God. I mean, even Jesus, while he was being crucified, you know, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen, being stoned, Father, forgive them. Do not hold this against them. Uh, the reality is, is that you've got example after example of people that learn to let go and still uh, stay in a Christian safe uh, arena and be able to be pleasing unto God. And ultimately, that is exactly the life we would want to live. All right, third question, final one. Again, Anonymous is presenting to us, uh, question is this, are expectations in life premeditated resentment? As a Christian, we have expectations in marriage, as parents in the church, etc., expectations are an interesting thing. I know we all kind of fall into this uh, arena and difficulty on a regular basis, I think. So number one, what's an expectation? Expectation is something that you're predicting, wanting to happen, expecting to happen uh, in a certain situation. And you predetermine this is how it's going to work out or this is how it's going to be. Uh, and so that's kind of your expectation. And then life happens and sometimes it meets the expectation. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, various different things we all have lived through and lived with. And sometimes we are able to get those expectations met and sometimes we don't. So the question is, is having expectations premeditated resentment? Uh, I, I think it can be. I don't know that it always is. So... If I am expecting, let's say when I get off of work and I expect that when I come home, my wife's going to be standing at the door opening up with a huge smile on her face, a fresh uh, cup of sweet tea, dinner on the table, you know, newspapers, slippers, da 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 And I have all this as expected picture in my brain. And I open the door and my wife is nowhere to be found um, and there's no dinner on the table and, and this and that and the other. I'm, I'm feeling and I'm going to have this issue because things weren't the way that I expected them to be. And so I'm going to be resenting. I'm going to have issues. I'm going to have difficulties. I'm going to have problems because it didn't meet what I was wanting to happen. The problem with this is, was that expectation communicated? If you and I have an expectation and we're going to get upset if it doesn't happen, then we need to be communicating what we are expecting because no one can read our mind. Oftentimes, in marriages, in relationships, in connections, we build resentments, we build difficulties, and we do that because we have a certain way things are supposed to be, and when they're not, we're mad because they're not that way, and in reality, no one knew that. No one knew that's what you wanted, or no one knew that's what you were expecting, Therefore, you don't have anybody choosing not to do what you want or choosing not to fulfill the expectation because nobody knew the expectation was there. Many times, and I think that oftentimes, we feel as though there's more power, weight if they read your mind, and that's probably true, but no one does that. No one can read your mind and know what it's supposed to be like. So because that's the case, if you have an expectation, if there is something you would like, if there's something that you want, if there's something that you want to see happen, then express that. Then say, you know what? This is what I would like. And then it allows the other person to be able to say, wow, that's unrealistic. Or man, I don't think I want to do that. Or, you know, I won't do that, but how about this? Or maybe they can be able to say, Absolutely. Happy to help. Here I am. And therefore, it meets that particular thing. It also has the ability to then be able to govern the expectations because sometimes what you expect is not possible. Either because it can't be done or this is not what this person's willing to do. And therefore, you have an opportunity to find a middle ground, find an opportunity to be able to find kind of what you're wanting. That way, you're able to then build a connection with the other person. Resentments oftentimes are directly related to expectations not voiced and therefore not met. If you're going to get mad about it, then be willing to express what you want. If you're going to hold it against them, then be willing to let them know so that they know what they're working against. They know what they're playing with. They know that this is something that you have in your mind and you're wanting to take place. That way they can be prepared to either fulfill the expectation and draw the connection closer, negotiate and say, well, how about this? Or say, I don't care what you think. I'm doing it. And therefore, then that continues the conversation and allows you to be able to address the relationship as it needs to. But expressing the expectations and then getting not expressing the expectations and then getting mad because someone didn't fulfill it is demanding that they read your mind. And that's not fair to them. And it's not fair to you. So if you have expectations, if you have things that you want them to fulfill, the way to do that is to be able to present, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I would like. And that begins to be exactly what we can receive. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Hey, be sure and give us the five-star review, like, share, subscribe, do all of those things that you need to so you know when our podcasts are up and moving and when we are available. Hey, thank you so much. Send me questions. You can do it at counselfromabove@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also get on the Facebook group. That's at Council From Above Podcast. Hey, love to have you, love to see you. Let me know, how am I doing? What can I do better? And how am I improving the things that are going on in your world? Again, thank you so much for your time as we continue each day to live our life as God would want us to live and ultimately listen to his counsel from above.